Savior Jesus Christ, my dear fellow redeemed. You never really know what you have until you don't have it any longer. A while back, my family took a vacation to Mexico and they invited Hannah and I to go with them. We stayed on one of those beachside resorts, you know, the kind that you see in the commercials. And trust me, it was just as fantastic as you're imagining. One day, Hannah and I decided we wanted to take a trip off of the resort. So we booked a five-hour-long boat ride, which involved getting on a boat, sailing out into the ocean, where you could then go snorkeling and swimming and paddleboarding. It sounded just fantastic. We got on that boat, and off we went. The first 10 seconds were glorious. The sun was shining down on us. That fresh ocean breeze filled our lungs. It was amazing. That next four hours, 59 minutes and 50 seconds were anything but amazing. Pretty soon that wave of euphoria wore off and we began to feel the waves of the ocean. I looked at Hannah and she looked at me. We both had come to a startling realization. We are both very susceptible to seasickness. You can't really do anything once you're out there on the boat. Uh, I've tried all of the remedies. Once you get that seasickness, motion sickness feeling, you're done for. I never really appreciated having my two feet on dry ground more than I did when I was out there on that rocking instrument of torture. I was out on that boat for five hours. I can't even imagine being on a boat for about a year. But that's exactly what Noah and his family were experiencing. We all know this story. It's one of the most famous stories in the Bible. You hear it and it grabs your imagination forever. God had created human beings and he made them perfect. But then Adam and Eve ate that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and humanity plunged into sin. After that, every person born was born sinful. After many generations, the situation in the world became dire. We hear in Genesis 6, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply moved, deeply troubled. God then said that he was going to wipe out every living creature from the earth. But then we hear, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God tells Noah, this righteous man, to build a boat because he's going to send a flood. Noah listens to God. He builds the ark. Two of every kind of animal come and get on board. Eventually the day comes for the flood and God shuts in Noah and his wife and their three sons and their three wives and all the animals and pretty soon the floodwaters come and it destroys everything outside the boat. This is oftentimes one of the first stories that we tell to our children uh, and sometimes we think of it as this cute event, right? There's the animals, and it's a great big boat, and they get to go on a family adventure. But we don't want to lose sight of how horrific and traumatic this event was for Noah and his family. Yes, they got saved from the waters of the flood, but think about all that they had lost. All of their family and friends outside of the ark had been completely annihilated, just imagine what those 
few, first few moments when the flood began sounded like people crying, screaming for help. Once every living creature outside the ark was destroyed, they had to come to grips with the fact that they were now living on this boat with all of these animals. And as a kid, living at the zoo sounds pretty amazing. But being a full-time permanent zookeeper with no days off and no ability just to drive home after work, it would have been taxing labor. Even once they did finally manage to get off that boat, they were going to have to restart everything. Their houses were gone. All of their wealth had been destroyed. Their animals, their crops, everything wiped away. They were going to have to restart from the beginning. Eventually, the floodwaters subside, and God tells them to get off of the ark. When they do... We might expect Noah to get right to work building a new house, or maybe he gets to work planting fields. But that's not what Noah does. His immediate response when he leaves the ark is to build an altar to the Lord. And on that altar, Noah offers sacrifices to God, showing that he is completely dedicated. Noah shows through these sacrifices that he's thankful to the Lord in spite of the fact that he's just witnessed this horrific event, in spite of the fact that all of his property is gone, in spite of the fact that all other human beings are destroyed, Noah is thankful. And that's because Noah's thanksgiving, it didn't depend on his circumstances, but on his perspective. When you think of Noah's circumstances, he's now a homeless man, a man who has nothing, a man who's responsible for restarting humanity. But in spite of his circumstances, Noah is thankful. He's thankful because he's got the perspective that he's a beloved child of God. God has saved him from this horrific flood, and now he gives thanks. Giving thanks can be easy sometimes, especially on days like Thanksgiving. We gather together in a warm house with some of our favorite people, eating some of our favorite food. But not every day is Thanksgiving. And not every Thanksgiving has those same warm feelings. How are we supposed to obey the words of Philippians 4, which tells us to rejoice in the Lord always when that seat at the Thanksgiving dinner table is empty? How are we supposed to heed the words of the Psalms which tell us to give thanks to the Lord when there's hardly enough money to buy food on a daily basis, much less throw a giant feast? Or sure, I can give thanks on Thanksgiving, but what about on November 26th when I've got to go back to work at my crummy job, getting paid much less than I deserve, getting no recognition from my employer, getting no feeling of satisfaction from my work? The devil sows seeds of discontentment when we start to focus on our circumstances as the reason for our thanksgiving. God knew that this was going to happen. He knew that based on just our circumstances, we would still be discontent. Even after the flood, God said, Every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Think about it. There are so many unhappy, wealthy folks out there today. Outwardly, it looks like they've got all the best circumstances in the world. They don't have to worry about money or where their next meal is going to come from. 
But still, so often, they're not satisfied. I recently read an article from the American Journal of Psychology that illustrated this point that the more you have, the more you want to have even more possessions. In this article, they published a study that found that people who made $70,000 a year or more were 30% more likely to shoplift than those who made less than $20,000 a year. Or if you ask someone who has a million dollars if they're satisfied, chances are they might give you an answer like, I'll be satisfied once I get $2 million. The key to our contentment doesn't lie in how much stuff we have. And it doesn't lie in getting back that loved one whose seat is empty at the table. Our contentment relies on our perspective. God didn't want us to be stuck living in this discontent world. So Jesus came and made his dwelling in this dissatisfied world. Think about Jesus' circumstances while he was on earth. He was essentially homeless. He bounced from house to house and town to town. When Jesus needed to get away from it all, he didn't have a room that he could go to. He had to go climb a mountain to find some peace and quiet. It seems like the only clothes that he has are the clothes on his back. All the most popular and powerful people of the day, they hate Jesus. They want him dead. And even his own family and his own hometown, for at least a portion of his ministry, rejects him. But Jesus, his contentment, wasn't focused on all of those circumstances. He was content. He was ready and willing to do the will of his Father. And this contentment, it doesn't always look like happiness. Jesus was content, and yet he still wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus was content, and yet he still cried out in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, begging God to take that cup from him. Jesus was content even as the people continued to follow him day after day. Through his life, Jesus never gave in to those feelings of discontentment. Why was Jesus willing to undergo such grueling circumstances? Jesus had to undergo these grueling circumstances to free us from our discontentment. Jesus had to go to the cross where he was abandoned by his Father. He had to do this because he had to make us right with God. The writer to the Hebrews records Jesus' attitude while he's dying on the cross. He says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Joy? While dying on a cross, that joy of Jesus, it wasn't based on his circumstance. It was based on his perspective. He was winning for us our salvation on the cross. He was making us right with God. That salvation, that was at the heart of Noah's thanksgiving It wasn't based on his circumstances. Noah was giving thanks because God had saved him. And that salvation, it's that heart of Zacchaeus's thanksgiving as well. Zacchaeus, the man from our gospel lesson, before he met Jesus, life was all about amassing as much wealth as possible. But once he met his Lord and Savior, everything changed. Jesus had brought salvation to Zacchaeus's house, and now his life was dedicated to giving thanks. 
that salvation is at the heart of our thanksgiving as well. Jesus came and lived for us. He came and he died. And Jesus, he rose victorious, proving that salvation has come to our house as well. We have been made right with God. Now we don't base our thanksgiving on our circumstances. We base it on our perspective that we're beloved children of God. Those five hours on the boat, they felt like a year. When I finally got my feet planted on dry ground once again, I was so thankful. Noah spent about a year on an ark. It probably felt like about a hundred. And when he got off that boat, his first reaction was to give thanks to God. That was the reaction of Zacchaeus, thanksgiving to his Lord. As Christians, our thanksgiving isn't based on our circumstances, which roll up and down like the waves of the ocean. Our thanksgiving is based on our perspective. Salvation has come to our house. Give thanks. God grant you that attitude tonight, tomorrow, and every day. Amen. And the peace of God, which